Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. Um, I want to speak to you guys about Thanksgiving is my weapon. What's the name of the message? Thanksgiving is my weapon. So I was studying about the Thanksgiving history and uh, I started reading about it and I saw how the first pilgrims came from the United Kingdom. And you know why they left the United Kingdom, why they left England? Because they were fighting for religious freedom. Imagine that. So they were Christians and they were like, we don't have freedom in this nation, so we're just going to go into the new world and we're going to see what comes. So they sailed to America. Woo! <laughs> so, and they got here to America. And when they got to the United States, the winter was very bad. So during that first winter, about half of them passed away of those pilgrims. So only about like 120 left and only about 60 people remained. And then they came here and they saw some great American Indians who were actually very peaceful. And they taught them how to work the land, the corn, but then there was like three years of drought. And during those three years of drought, obviously they had no way to produce and they were just praying for rain after those three years. So they said, we're gonna have a day of fasting and seeking God so he can bring his rain. Imagine that. So it's like one day of prayer and fast that the pilgrims proclaimed. And after that day of prayer and fasting, what happened? God brought his rain. And then the land produced again. And after they saw the rain and after they had the harvest, they declared the first thanksgiving. Amen? What a great story. And then after that, not only that, the, the, well, the United States became a nation. And George Washington, the first president, declared this. To recommend to the people of the United States of a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. I love this because not a lot of nations were born the way the United States was born because it's born under Christian principles, under godly principles. This is a privileged nation. Can you give God a great hand of applause for the opportunity to be here? I'm originally, I'm, origi I'm not ori originally from here and this Colombian history is not like this, but I love this history because it's like the first president and it's like saying, we're gonna have a day of seeking God, acknowledging with grateful hearts the signals and the favors of Almighty God. This is amazing. And then some years passed by, some presidents passed by, and actually the one who made it like a day and who set the day for Thanksgiving was President Abraham Lincoln, and he said this. 
He said, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Amazing. Can you give it up for, for President Abraham Lincoln? He's the one who said, like, what day? And ever since then, the, the day has always been instituted, like that day. And it's because President Abraham Lincoln is like, we're going to make it official. And that's why in the White House, every week we celebrate and all over, over the United States. So it's not just about the turkey. Tell President Xi, it's not just about the turkey. <laughs> it's about God. Tell the President Xi, it's about God. And it's about being grateful to God. So how privileged is the U.S. to have these amazing presidents and to have this amazing history? One thing that it comes to my mind is when you think of Thanksgiving is to stop and thank God, to stop and thank God. A lot of times, and this, this used to happen to me a lot, I used to just be running around and the fallacy of just the more you do, the more you will, you will achieve, right? You're just running and doing, 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 and I'm like a super high performance, you know, that type of person who wants to like, I have like a list of tasks, and the more tasks, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. You know, you have 15 tasks in one day. And you have faith, right? You say, I'm going to get them all done. And then you see you have three little kids. And then they, they still, some of them still have diapers. And so <laughs> you're like, oh, my God. And then you have to cook. Like, never mind. And then you go to sleep. And you didn't even do half of the things you were going to do, right? Has <laughs> that happened to any of you guys? <laughs> okay. So... But when I started to like study these successful people, these books, you know, as we've spoken about this week, like this year, like audiobooks, these podcasts, all these things, and I saw like even great men of God, they live like a slow life. And I'm like, man, how can you be so successful and take it so easy? It's like maybe I'm doing something wrong. And yeah, it was me. I was doing something wrong. But then when I started to see what they did, it's like a lot of them had like a um, gratitude journal, even just journal. Before, I would never journal. Like, I was like, oh, I don't have time for that, right? Who has time for journaling? Nobody, right? But you have to make time. But I was like, wow, what if I start adding that habit into my life? And it's different from my devotional life. And it just takes a couple minutes, like five, 10 minutes, and I just think about the day before, and I write about in gratitude and thankfulness, like all the things that God is doing for me. And it's been great. I've been doing it consistently for about six months every day. And it's like, wow, when you can go back and you can see like what I wrote two months ago, six months ago, it's amazing because you're constantly just thanking God for his goodness. So I encourage you guys to really, every day, just stop and thank God. Because why, why are you running every day so much? What for? If you don't have time to celebrate, if you don't have time to just stop and think about the goodness of God. You know, when I read the Psalms, when I read the Proverbs, when I read everything that all these great men, all these great songwriters, they wrote about is like, 
gratitude, thanking God for everything that they do. And there's a really cool verse that says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So anything that God is doing in your life is always from our Father in heaven. And this is what President George Washington, this is what President Abraham Lincoln were saying. Everything that we have as a nation is not because of us. Everything that we have is because of our Father who dwelleth in heavens. Amen. And you know what? The opposite from Thanksgiving, what is it? Complaining. Complaining. Complaining is the opposite from Thanksgiving. And look at what Romans 14.23 of the Amplified Version says. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Let's repeat that part, all right? One, two, three. Whatever is not from faith is sin. And whatever is done with doubt is sinful. This is a great verse. You, you should memorize it. Because it speaks of what sin is. A lot of times we think of sin as just doing something. But actually, if something is not from faith, if you don't have it in your heart like, oh, I believe God's going to back me up with this. I believe God's going to use me with this. Then it says it's sin. So basically, if you live with doubt, that means what? That's sin. Doubt is sin. And in the Bible, we see Numbers 14.2. There's a really cool story about what this is. It says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. So imagine this. God takes them out from the land of slavery, which was Egypt. God, cho God chooses Moses, the man of God. He brings the plagues, so tame plagues. He splits the seas into two. So all the Israelites are looking at all these miraculous signs from God. And then God says, okay, we're going to have a short journey in the wilderness, but then I'm going to take you to the promised land, right? That sounds easy. And this is what they've been praying for. They were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. But what happened? They started to complain. They were like, man, we don't have steak here. We don't have cool things to eat here. I wish we could go back to Egypt, to where we were slaves. And how many times does that happen to you as a Christian? That a lot of times you're praying for something. How many of you guys are parents here? It's a few parents. And then you're like, God, give me a child, right? Give me a baby. So many years pray for that baby. And then the baby comes. It's so cute when they're born, right? They don't do anything. But then as they start growing up, you're like, why did I ask for this child? I'm just kidding. So, and then God is telling you, like, you prayed for that child. You know, you asked for that. And then a lot of times you're like, God, give me a boyfriend. Give me a girlfriend. And then God finally brings you a boyfriend. And you're like, man, I don't know why. <laughs> this isn't exactly what I was praying for, but thank you, God. So it's like the things you're praying for. Or you're like, God, I want to be a leader. I want to have my cell group. I want to be able to lead. And then once you have the opportunity to lead, 
once you have the opportunity to preach, to, to have your cell group, you're like, man, this leadership thing is hard. I don't think I want to be a leader. But God is like telling you, you asked me for that. I showed you. I was with you. And now that you have it, you're complaining about it. Tell the person next to you, ooh, ooh, this is for you. And then you start like, you start being like, the, like those Israelites in the wilderness. Oh, I wish I could go back. Man. Ever since I got to church, I have, no, I have not had a relationship. I have not had a boyfriend or girlfriend. I think when I was in the world, I was doing better. I think when I was in the world, at least I had friends. And then God is telling you, really, you call that friends? People who would just invite you to like nonsense stuff? They didn't really care about you? And then you're like, at least I had a boyfriend. And then God is telling you, okay, I took you from that abusive relationship. I took you from that time where you were being put down. And sometimes this happens to a lot of people. That you're like saying, I was doing better in the world. And God is telling you the way he tells them is like either you change or you stop grumbling or you're going to stay in the desert the way it happened to the Israelites. Because God got so tired of their complaining that he's like, this was going to take only 11 days. But since you guys keep complaining and grumbling, now I'm going to make you die in the desert, and you're going to be stuck here for 40 years. And a lot of times God gets tired of our complaining so I don't know if you're really saying you're a Christian and you're really speaking by faith or you're just doubting and complaining and grumbling because we all are going through difficult stuff. So do me a favor and speak positively even in negative situations. Amen? Don't, don't get with your friend, with that friend at your job, that you know she's always or he's always like, oh, yeah, you're doing so bad. And then, he, you know, he's going to go with the flow and tell you like, oh, man, yeah, this thing is happening to me as well. It's so unfair. You know, I'm not against you sharing maybe with a person of faith. But listen, always use this phrase, but God. So every time you, you say like a, a difficult situation you're going through, Always add, but God. So say, okay, this is difficult at my job. This is difficult at my school. I'm going through this with my family. But what are you going to say? But God told me to persevere. But God gave me this word. But God told me this is the time for me to enter into the promised land. And I love the story of King Jehoshaphat. Have you ever heard of King Jehoshaphat? Yeah, I love the story of King Jehoshaphat. So look at this. He was a young kid, not, not too young, like 35 years old. That's pretty young for a king, right? So he was a young king, and then really bad news come to him. He's like, there are three 
kingdoms that are coming to attack you. There are, there are three kings that are coming against you. So look at this verse right here. Second Chronicles 20, verse 2, it says, Then it was reported to, to Jehoshaphat, A great multitude has come against you from beyond the Dead Sea, out of Aram, which is Syria. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is Engadi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and sent himself, determinedly as his vital need. It's like, imagine you're like right there just chilling in your palace or wherever you lived. You're the king. And it's like, oh, by the way, there's a great multitude that is coming against you. And it's three kingdoms. So what are you going to do about it? What would you have done if you were King Jehoshaphat? It's like a great, great battle that he was going through. So this week, me and, well, especially, yeah, me and my husband, we, we were also, like, ba doing some, having some battles, like, some decisions we, need to, we needed to make, maybe some news that we heard. And we were about to, like, okay, let's make this phone call. What if we try to do this? You know, like, figuring it all out on our own. And then the Lord told us, is like, everything that you have preached, put it into practice. And I was like, yeah, that's right. I shouldn't act fast because I'm a doer, as I told you. So I was like, okay, what if we do this, 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 and trying to fix things and trying to say. But this is a very important decision. And then God told me, okay, you're going to do a fast. So I fasted for three days. And you're going to wait on the Lord, and you're going to wait for him to do the work. You're going to wait for him to act on your behalf, and you're not going to do anything. So I didn't do any phone calls. I didn't start, like, complaining or doing this, this, or look what he said. She said, I didn't do any of that, which I could have. But God told me to wait, and God told me to fast. And it was amazing because... The second day that I fasted, God answered. And I was like, wow, fasting truly does work. Fasting has an, am an amazing power. And until you start doing it, like you're going to see. So when, you, when you're facing an important decision, when you're facing like an accusation, when you're facing something, don't act on just, oh, I'm going to do this but fast, but pray, but wait. And then God's going to speak on your behalf. God's going to act on your behalf. And I was really amazed at this because I actually saw it happening in my own life. So I don't know what you're going through today, but God is telling you, wait and see how I'm going to act on your behalf. And I love how King Jehoshaphat, basically did the same thing. He's like, okay, we're not going to go ahead and just gather the army and just everyone get with your weapons, but we're going to have a day of seeking the Lord and fasting. And usually when they all met together, it was just to celebrate something because if you read the Old Testament, they, always, they were always meeting and gathering for celebrations. But this time was different. This time they were meeting actually to cry out to God, to say, God, show up, to say, God, 
we're here and we're fasting and we're just waiting for you to just do the work because on our own, we're just a little small country. We're just very like tiny and we have all this vast army, all these kingdoms coming against us. So they met together, but it was for a day of seeking the Lord and saying, God, you're the one who's going to fight for me. You're the one who's going to do something. And look at what Second Chronicles 20, 15 says. So a prophet of the Lord, after they sought the Lord, he comes and he says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen? Let's read it together. One, two, three. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. This is amazing because after this, he just gathered everyone and he's like, okay, it's not going to be on our own strength. It's not going to be through our training. God is going to act as we worship him. God is going to act as we thank him. And it actually says that as they thanked him, as they were having these songs of praises, of thanksgiving, God started to ask on their behalf. So this is your weapon. Your weapon is not fighting in your own strengths with your own abilities. Like saying, oh, what can I do? Who can I call? What things can I do on my own? How can I break this? How can I bring justice? Because a lot of times you're like, I want justice to be done. This is so unfair. Right? We're always going to have unfair situations. But I'm telling you, there's always people who are going to have a worse situation than yours. There's people who have gone through way worse situations than yours. But you know what the difference is? Their attitude. There's people who've lost absolutely everything. You know, I always speak about Brother Yun from China, which I love. And when you meet this guy, which I met him like about a year ago, he's the happiest guy. Like if you see him the first for the first time ever, he's just like, <laughs> like, you know, he was in the conference in Colombia like a year ago, and he was just like, he would just like hug my dad and be like, <laughs> and you're like, wow, this guy is so cool. Like, and you would never think everything that he went through. He was like persecuted because it's it's um crime to preach the gospel in china so he's been beaten he's been tortured he's been in prisons for many years just for preaching the gospel but i mean torture is like the worst torture you can imagine and everything in his life is thanksgiving everything that he's like god i thank you for this time that I was tortured for so many days you know he went on a hunger strike and one of the tortures that they did to him is like they put like those needles and you know in between in between your your nail and your skin every one of your fingers and your toes that that's just one of the tortures that they did to him because they were so mad because he was always happy, and he had won pretty much everyone in jail. He had preached the gospel to everyone there. 
So they didn't know how to stop him from preaching the gospel. And they would come up with all these things. But God saved him miraculously. If you want to read his book, it's called The Heavenly Man. It's amazing. It's going to teach you how to love the word of God even more and how to, like, you know, really thank God for what you have, for the country that you're in. And when I was reading this, he's like, God, you're so real. And then he saw an angel of the Lord. He saw he thought it was a vision, but the, but it was a real thing. It's like if you were reading Acts with Peter, you know, you're like, wow. It's like the, same, the exact same thing. He took off his chains. He showed him the way out of the jail. It was the maximum prison in China, and he just got out. Like miraculously, nobody saw him. Like one of the biggest criminals, supposedly, in China, and then he was able to go to Germany, and had asylum there, but he is the happiest guy, and he's still preaching the gospel everywhere he goes because he understood that Thanksgiving is your weapon. So if this guy who's had like the biggest tortures for preaching the gospel, if this guy who's like gone through all these different jail situations and things, and he can always be happy, and he can always be thankful. How could you not be thankful? A lot of times we have little things going on in our lives, and we're complaining about the things. So if it rains, you're like, man, it's raining. If it's sunny, man, it's so sunny. You, know, you complain about like the dumbest things, because we're used to like just having everything in life. You know, man, this microwave is not as good as the other one. You know, like the dumbest things, and you just complain about all these little things. Oh man, you know, like I wish my car, the, the seating was better, you know. And, and I think about these things because we're used to living like this. But from now on, do me a favor and st start speaking positively. When people speak negatively to you, say, okay, thank you for speaking like this to me, but I actually would like you to not curse in front of me I would like you to not use that language in front of me because I'm a Christian. And, you know, people appreciate those things. Or even if they're always speaking negative things to you like, you're so this or this, or they're speaking bad about your boss, or they're speaking bad. Okay, so you're like, if you have something to say, let's call the person and tell them in front of him. So you are the one who sets the tone. You are the one who sets the example. You are the one who can say, okay, I'm not going to speak like you. I'm going to be a positive person. I'm going to speak the language of faith. Because whatever is not from faith is what? Sin. So I understand that this is what God wants me to do. And I want you to stand up right now. And this is amazing because, you know, I'm a worship leader as well. I've, I love worshiping. I love writing songs. I love just, you know, sometimes I would just grab my guitar and just worship God through the bad circumstances. Are there any guys, anyone here from Colombia? Is there anyone here from Colombia? A few, a few people. So last week in Colombia, we were having all these protests. And a lot of people were creating like this panic things. Like a lot of the people were trying to create all this mess and saying like, oh, things are, are going really bad. And, one of the days we started to receive all these phone calls from our friends and saying like, oh man, the situation is hard today. 
there are guys who are just like coming into our neighborhood. We don't know what to do when all the protest days. And you know, they were, some of them were really scared. And so me and my husband were like, oh man, what should we do? There's nothing really we can do. You can either like worry or say, oh my God, and start looking at all the news. And like, oh, what are we gonna do? But instead we decided, hey, let's just have some time of worship. And let's just thank God and let him do the work. There's not much we can do here. And actually a few of us of the pastors from Columbia, we, we met up through Zoom. And we just started having some time of like worshiping, of praying, and just declaring over the atmosphere because it was a negative, very negative atmosphere that wanted to come to our, to, to our country in Colombia. And we saw how that time of worship just completely calmed everyone. All of us, all of the people there, if they would call us, we're just like, don't look at anything, just go and worship Jesus. Just go into your room and pray. Don't get panicked, don't declare anything negative but just go and worship and you're gonna start seeing how the circumstances are gonna start changing. And I did that for like an hour or so. And after that time of worship and prayer, I just saw how everything in my spirit changed. I didn't look at the news, I didn't look at anything else. I was just, thank you Jesus because you're doing the work. Thank you Jesus because as we worship, you're starting to change the atmosphere. And this is what King Jehoshaphat did, it's amazing. Because his strategy was not like, we're going to get all these warriors, we're going to get all this vast army. No, his strategy was different. Look at what Second Chronicles 2.21 and 22 says. It says, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in their holy, priestly attire as they went out before the army and said, praise and give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. When they began singing and praising, the Lord sent ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were struck down in defeat. This is amazing. Because as they started singing, as they started worshiping, as they started saying, thank you, Lord, we're going to fill this place, we're going to fill this atmosphere with just praise and thanksgiving it says what say with me the lord gave them the victory it wasn't on their own it was the lord who said ambushes for all these kingdoms for all these warriors that were coming against them so really god took it into his own hands to fight for these people and the same thing he wants to do with you I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your circumstances are right now, but I feel like the same way that happened to me this week, that maybe you, you were going through a strong battle, you were going through a, like a difficult decision. Just close your eyes where you are and say, God, I put before you this situation that I'm going through. I put before you this battle that I'm having to face. I don't know how to face it on my own. I don't know what to do. Perhaps all I keep doing is just worrying about this situation. All I keep doing is just complaining. And I thank you, Lord, for the good times. And I thank you, Lord, for the bad times. Because today I've understood that my weapon is worship. Thanks so much for tuning in.
before you go, make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new. We would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message is impacting you. Until next time.